Hello everyone, my name is Vikas Agrawal and I am the founder of AIF and PMS Experts India. Well, AIF and PMS Experts India is one of the largest platform now as we speak in terms of investing in alternate investments and portfolio management services. So our endeavor is to sort of educate and empower the investor community and therefore uh, I am sure some of you who, who have been watching our shows uh, might be familiar with the fact that we keep organizing these uh, knowledge-based sessions and we call it Ask the Expert Show. And the whole idea of organizing this show is to share more knowledge with all our investors so that they can take the right decision and attain their goal of their life, whatever they wish to achieve. So, you know, we are happy to sort of come back. Uh, and with me, I have Mr. Gautam Baid. Uh, well, he doesn't need any introduction because, uh, you know, he's sort of... Uh, well-known face on most of the TV channels and he's also an author of Joy of Compounding book which is one of my favorite book. I would have read that book at least seven to eight times uh, in last uh, uh, almost five, four to five years time ever since the, the, the book was launched and that gave me a lot of wisdom to think about what is called real joy of power of compounding and also gave me some more perspective about you know how do you sort of live your life and add more value to people so that has been the inspiration so you know it's a very special day for me because i'm going to read his mind today and i'm going to uh, sort of ask a lot of questions on your behalf so let me have the privilege of introducing Gautam. So Gautam Beris is a chartered financial analyst, CFA, and he's also the managing partner of Stellar Wealth Partners, India Limited, India Fund, uh, Delaware-based investment partnership, which is available to accredited investors in the US. And Gautam is also the equity advisors of Stellar Wealth PMS, uh, a portfolio management services, which is available to Indian citizens and as well as NRIs both domestically and globally. Both funds are modeled after the original Buffett partnership fee structure, uh, you know, uh, invest in Indian equity, uh, Indian equities with a long-term fundamental and value-oriented approach. He is one of the biggest follower of Warren Buffett. In fact, he wrote letter to him and in turn, Warren Buffett for the first time, uh, you know, wrote letter back to him. So that's something I would say is an achievement, uh, you know, uh, by interacting with him. So previously, Gautam served as portfolio manager at Summit Global Investments and SEC registered investment advisor based in Salt Lake City, USA. Uh, before that, he served at the Mumbai, London and Hong Kong offices of Citigroup and Deutsche Bank as senior analyst in the investment banking uh, teams. Gautam is, as I mentioned, is an author of international best-selling on, on value investing book called The Joy of, Joy of Compounding. In 2018 and 19, he was profiled in Morningstar's Learn from the Master series. So he's been sort of uh, uh, there on, as I said, most of the TV channels in India. He's managing funds based out of US and also he's recently uh, became part of Complete Circle Stellar uh, PMS where they recently had a launch meet and, and uh, uh, today I'm going to ask him uh, what was the reason for him to get into Indian domestic PMS. So with that, uh, we'll not waste the time and uh, I would like to interact with Gautam. So Gautam, thank you so much. You know, you've come all the way from US to India and then you could manage to find some time from your busy schedule and coming all the way from Delhi and talking to us in Pune. So thank you so much for, first of all, for accepting our request and agree to speak to our investors. Thank you for the warm introduction, Vikas. Bhai. So uh, Gautam, uh, we know each other because we met at Bakshir Hathways AGM long back and Ever since we met, I've been following you, you know, I've been uh, I'm learning a lot from you, I would say, your your tweets and your, you know, LinkedIn posts. It always inspires me because you always add a lot of value to, to people. 
so first my first question to you is what made you to get into indian pms industry and start the pms so i launched my india fund based out of the us uh, seven months ago and that was available only to us citizens so i was receiving a lot of letters and emails from nris and indian citizens that you have launched a strategy for us citizens but we would also like to participate in your investment philosophy so recently i met up with the founders of complete circle wealth solutions sure. gurmeet and chitich yeah and we really connected in terms of our common philosophy of long term thinking our bullishness on, on india a focus on quality and i decided to collaborate with them by joining them as an equity advisor on right. their investment committee right and we launched our uh, stellar wealth pms strategy just a month ago right. and the initial response has been very encouraging right so they are saying that if you are with the right people at the right time only the miracle takes place and i know gurmeet and chitish for quite some time in fact me and chitish chitish we are good friends and uh, you know what i seen is that uh, uh, gurmeet is very uh, data driven uh, very uh, very good at uh, fund management side now i mean his uh, his uh, you know analytical ability to to sort of analyze various industry is only uh, going up the day by day like i know him for many years and i have a lot of respect for for both of them uh, so great you've joined complete circle and uh, so tell us something about this fund the fund that you are launching uh, what was the reason so what was going on in your, in your mind uh, when you talked about because complete circle is already running digital compounders uh, in fact uh, i am one of the investors there um, uh, really have a lot of uh, faith on both the gentlemen Uh, and the team is also very warm doing fantastically well so how different your fund is and what was going on in your mind when you decided to sort of uh, uh, come along with them and launch this fund right so digital compounders like you rightly mentioned they were already running that strategy but that's primarily a large cap strategy 65 to 70% of that particular strategy is large cap whereas telewell pms is primarily a small and mid cap strategy coupled with special situations mm-hmm. so you know the founders of complete circle thought that this is a great complementary product offering sure. to their existing clients right. that is why we decided to collaborate because right. now our product suite is complete sure. we have a large cap strategy and now we yeah. also have a small cap mid cap and a special situation strategy right but in terms of the framework both are multi cap right like although it has it might have 60 65% large cap uh, but then it has the flexibility to move around like tomorrow it can get into mid and small cap also but what about your strategy so my strategy is also a multi cap strategy uh, but uh, at present the portfolio that we have is 65 to 70% small and mid cap with balance in special situations but we are market cap agnostic right. so we go wherever we find earnings growth let's go back in time from january 2018 to april 2020 for those 28 months small cap mid cap stocks were out of favor but they were out of favor for a reason because there was no earnings growth in that particular category right. and that is why large caps and high quality outperformed during those 28 months so we are very flexible to succeed in this business you have to be nimble open minded and be willing to adapt all the time so we will invest our clients money wherever we find opportunity and wherever we find good earnings growth so after a long time you know especially after the end of the recent earning season which was one of the most eventful in a very, in a very long time i think it's a, one of the best times to be a bottom up stock picker because in this market if you mm. closely observe right bottom up stock picking is being rewarded handsomely companies with strong earnings sure. bullish management commentary and wherever business fundamentals are improving only those stocks are being rewarded while the rest of the market languishes so yeah. 
the good old markets like we know them. So this is the, one of the best times to be a fundamental research-oriented investor. Right. So before we come to your investment philosophy and how do you select stocks, etc., let me uh, come to you uh, directly because this is the question which is being asked by my investors a lot many times, especially in last six months to eighteen months time. One, because you come from US, so how does uh, uh, I mean what are the views views of these FIIs in India because they've been net seller and well April was the first month when we saw some net sell coming in. Correct. So basically, for the last one and a half years, as we have seen, FIs have sold more than 35 billion dollars yeah. of equities in India. But a large part of that outflow is basically emerging market basket selling. So India is part of the emerging MSCI Emerging Markets Index. So whenever FIs sell emerging markets as a basket, India also witnesses a lot of selling. Apart from that, during periods of uncertainty, FIs like to gravitate to the mother market, which is the US. That's why we have seen a lot of strength in the US market. And we have seen a lot of outflows from countries like China, Taiwan, India and a few other emerging markets. Mm -hmm. These FIs will make a comeback to India. They are structurally very positive on India in the long run. Yeah. But, but they are very tactical in nature. A lot of these FI flow is a lot of ETF hot money flow as well, right. which are very tactical in nature. So I think we should just ignore the short term noise and focus on the long term fundamentals sure. of companies. We have to appreciate the fact that in spite of $35 billion of FI selling, you have the Sensex at 62,000 62, index, right? True, true. So let's try to imagine what's going to happen the moment the FIs make a comeback. Oh, yeah. In the last one month we have seen, in fact, in the last couple of weeks, we have seen a lot of FI buying returning. Yeah. And I think the tide may be turning after a lull of one and a half years. True. The key mistake which many retail investors and even some high net worth individuals do is that mm. the moment they don't get returns from equities for one to one and a half years. Right. They tend to lose faith very easily and then they grab talk about fixed deposits and real estate. But this is primarily the very time right. when you should be increasing your allocation to equities right. because history has taught us that whenever people start talking about the superiority of fixed deposits over equities as an asset class, those historically have been the best time to increase your allocation to equities. Yeah. So what's important as a fund manager or as a PMS house is that we continuously educate our clients. Right at the time of onboarding them and also after onboarding them. I think the continuous ongoing education program is very, very important mm -hmm. because you need to handhold them. Handholding is very important because most of investing is behavioral. True. All the great long-term investors, they not only had the analytical edge, mm -hmm. but more importantly, they had the behavioral edge. They were able to maintain a very calm temperament, sure. a mature temperament and stay the course for long-term wealth creation. That is what we expect from our clients as well. So well whenever I you know, talk to any of the clients before onboarding, I always try to set the right expectations. Yeah, yeah. I think setting the right expectations upfront from equities as an asset class right. is very, very important. One uh, more thing which I do with them is, you know, in the past you, share, share, you gave a very good presentation on history of Indian stock market yeah, volatility. Yeah, yeah. I make it a point to share that video with all my clients oh, because great. they are educated from the very outset. Yeah, that volatility is a is a feature. It's not a bug true, true. of stock market investing. So that is part that that is the price which you pay right. for superior long term returns. Right. Now in Hindi there is a saying that share market ke mein You know, so obviously one has to bear it. Cannot be fixed deposit that keep giving you returns every year. Now coming back to uh, your experience because you you spend time in India, you spend time in US, you interact with most of the hedge funds also as hedge funds managers. Uh, so tell me what's happening in US because US we, we're hearing that recession has began and the market caps like there also we saw 30-35% of correction and now it is getting stable. So what's your views on that? 
so again the market has become very discerning and wherever there is good quality of earnings those stocks have hardly corrected look at microsoft and apple they are at all time highs whereas all the unprofitable tech companies yeah. those are the ones which crashed so in a easy liquidity environment of zero interest rate environment every stock goes up irrespective of fundamentals but the moment cost of capital goes up markets differentiate mm. that is what is happening in the us the same thing is happening in india as well india. where only the good stocks are getting rewarded right. whereas the stocks with bad fundamentals they are languishing yeah. so this is the market is a very clearly differentiating between good quality and good growth versus bad quality and no growth mm-hmm. but uh, you know they just say a lot of people say that anything happens in us india is so sensitive markets you know india is the first one to start correcting anything happens in the world so what's your sense like do you think that the level of maturity has gone up as far as indian investors are concerned a b is that overall size of the market uh, has has become large or comparable according to you the answer to your question lies in monthly sip flows who would have thought we'll you know we'll see a day when monthly sip flows cross 14000 crores right that is providing a tremendous cushion against any volatility from fi outflows sure. that is the inherent strength which we are getting and even today the penetration of equities among the indian public is still very low as this keeps going up over time with increasing financial awareness or you know there will come a time when we will stop talking about fi's altogether we'll yeah. become an atmanirbhar bharat so to speak in, in our yeah. stock market as well yeah. so i think that is just a matter of time right the direction is very clear and the initial trends are very very encouraging sure and uh, you know we've been hearing this uh, uh, g20 presidency thing uh, which is happening in india it's it's a very big theme now playing out very well our relationship with other economies are going up and deepening up uh, you know day by day so you think that we are all set to become third largest economy in next 4 5 years time there's no doubt in my mind that india is all set to become a global superpower and that you know the first but to reach that particular level we have to you know become more diversified economy we cannot just depend on services manufacturing also has to be a very important part of becoming that super that's that piece of becoming right. a superpower so i'll want to share some hard numbers with you just Please. to illustrate the trend yeah because uh, manufacturing is not shaping up in india yes but the initial trends you know the numbers basically give everything away so i'll want to share some hard numbers with you let me give numbers from three or four industries i'll talk about mobile phones tiles acs and chemicals so in chemicals 5 years ago india had a 1.5% global market share of global chemical production today it is 3.5% okay that's about chemicals now chemical is special chem- uh, chemical overall chemical overall chemical including commodity and specialty yeah. so from 1 and a half to 3 and a half in percentage terms you have basically more than doubled true right second tiles so in morbi in gujarat is the tile exporting hub of, of india right. 5 years ago the annual exports of tiles from morbi was 4000 crores the most recent financial year it has crossed 17000 crores mm-hmm. so look at the traction in our production of tiles and our exports to the world export to the world in the tile sector as well number 3 mobile phones the most recent year apple has exported phones more, worth more than 5 billion dollars from india foxconn and other global manufacturing giants are setting up their plants in india so even in mobile phone manufacturing and exports we are becoming a very strong player in the world yeah so and let, now finally let me talk about air conditioners till 5 years ago 80% of um, india's air conditioning manufacturing requirements was imported 
So the indoor unit, the outdoor unit, the compressor, all was imported from China. 80% of that was in, imported from China. China. Now look, look at where we stand today. That entire ratio is reversed. Now 80% of the indoor units, outdoor units and compressors for air conditioners are manufactured in India itself. So that the, I just mentioned about four industries. I'm sure there must be a scores of more, many more industries yeah. in which this trend is very visible. So we just have to continue and build upon all the reforms of the government over the last 10 years and just continue the good work. The, you know, India, you know, in the past we used to get in our own way. You know, basically we used to call them, you know, self goals. But uh, thankfully, those things have not happened in the last few years. We are very clearly on a growth trajectory and, and a very reform uh, mindset. Right. I think we just need to continue on this path. And the end result will take care of itself. Right, right. Great. I think, yeah, uh, the way things are shaping up in India. I mean, in fact, uh, a CEO of Apple, he was in uh, India few few weeks back. And he talked about his roadmap in terms of having strategic alliance with economy like India and contribute. I mean, uh, export 25% to 50% of the overall manufacturing from India alone. So that's the kind of commitment coming from these big businessmen. So obviously we see huge uh, demand coming up. The other thing I want to talk about is, so now I'm coming to the fund specific uh, question. So so what's your investment philosophy as far as Tyler uh, PM, Wealth PMS is concerned, number one. And second is what all things that you look at when selecting stocks and what what, what all things that you you'd like to ignore while, while uh, investing. Sure. So before I talk about the investment philosophy, you know, I would like to share something about fundamental investing in general. Mm -hmm. And we all keep searching for the holy grail of investing. Sure. And I feel that you know, after many years of research, I have uh, understood what is the actual, the actual holy grail. Mm -hmm. So in this stock market, there are two kinds of companies: companies with low returns on capital and companies with high returns on capital. In case of companies with the low returns on capital. The maximum delta, the maximum rate of change and the maximum intrinsic value creation takes place when they focus on improving their return on capital. And in case of companies with higher returns on capital, the maximum delta, the maximum rate of change and the maximum intrinsic value creation for those companies takes place when they focus on improving their top line growth or revenue growth. This forms the basic premise for our investment philosophy at Stella Wealth PMS. Okay. It's built on two key pillars variant perception and long-term structural trends. Variant perception focuses on companies with low to moderate returns on capital which are transitioning to a higher return on capital mm -hmm. and long-term structural trends focuses on established leaders with higher returns on capital which mm -hmm. are having good revenue growth. Mm -hmm. So let me talk about variant perception first. Very very important. So what is variant perception? Variant perception refers to situations where you get ROC expansion coupled with earnings growth you get valuation re-rating and you get multi-baggers. And variant perception comes from having a differentiated view on the medium term trajectory of a business. And there are multiple triggers for variant perception. Number one, product mix change in a higher margin category. So in those kind of companies, which is sh shifting from lower margin products to higher margin products, the net profit after tax grows at a faster rate than your top line growth. Right. And you also get valuation re-rating there. True. Number two, deleveraging. Because debt is a part of capital employed mm. as debt goes down your capital employed goes down ROC goes up ROC plus goes up. the interest cost which you save on the debt reduction that also adds to your net profit so you get faster profit growth as well there number three operating leverage which may come from having high unutilized capacity at the beginning of an industry up cycle right. and you can get this information from management on conference call what is the existing capacity utilization in their existing plants 
Number four, regulatory change. This is again a very powerful source for varying perception because, you know, if the industri entire industry's fortunes can be changed by a regulatory change, you get fast earnings growth and valuation re-rating. So, last year, as an example, not a stock recommendation but yeah. or industry recommendation, but RBI changed the regulations for the microfinance industry last year. They removed that 10% interest rate cap for microfinance companies and they also allowed microfinance companies to have 25% of their loan book in non-microfinance uh, lending. Mm -hmm. So this increased the addressable market size for the microfinance companies and now with the interest rate cap gone, now they can price risk appropriately and we have already seen a big uh, re-rating of the many microfinance stocks. We hold a, 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 one of the leading microfinance companies in India in our PMS as well. Until a month ago that company was available below book value. And whenever you buy something for less than book value, you are basically getting all the future growth for free. Okay. As long as the company is earning more than its cost of capital. Right. So those are the kind of companies we look to uh, buy because we get valuation re-rating coupled with earnings growth. Right. Fifth uh, source for varying perception, industry cycle shift. So in middle, since middle of 2020, the residential real estate cycle in India turned around after more than a decade. And we have seen so many multi-baggers coming from the building material space in India. So very important to track, where is the industry cycle shifting for the better? And then place your bets there. Number six, improvement in asset turns. There are two sources for margin expansion. Two sources for ROC expansion, margin improvement and improvement in asset turns. And between the two, I prefer the latter because high margins tend to attract competition. Mm -hmm. So the improvement in asset turns is also a very good but source it's a for slow process. It's a slow process, but if you can attend the conference calls and get this insight from the management that what is going to be the expected uh, fixed asset turnover of the new capacity, you can get ahead of the other investors into that into that particular stock before it actually starts showing up in the numbers. Mm -hmm. So that's also a source for varying perception. Finally, we have corporate actions like demergers, promoter management change, merger arbitrage. We, this this forms part of our special situations basket in our PMS. I've been doing you know investing in various kinds of special special situations over the last 15 years. Right. But the highest success rate, the highest success hit rate came in these three categories. Demergers, promoter management change, and merger, merger arbitrage. And these are the three categories which I focus on yeah. for our PMS. And finally, divestiture of a loss making business unit or divestiture of a non core business unit is also a source for varying perception because markets like focus management teams. So they reward them with a higher valuation multiple the moment the non core business is sold off. And if you sell off a loss making business segment, then uh, the, the remaining company's uh, net profit goes up, so market cap goes up. So right. these were various sources of varying perception. Mm -hmm. These constitute the bulk of our uh, portfolio. Yeah. So I'm going to ask so how is going to be the construction of the portfolio? How many businesses you're planning to uh, mm -hmm. take? And what percentage of that would be mid and small cap A? And what, percent, what, what percentage you will have uh, uh, special situations in that category? Correct. So again, again, you know, uh, it all depends on opportunities. But as a general rule, I, we like to have maximum of the portfolio in long-term structural trends, which provide for long-term compounding. Sure. And then, thirty percent of the portfolio in these varying perception plays will provide us with that alpha, which mm -hmm. we want. It's a sector agnostic, market cap agnostic portfolio of twenty to twenty-five companies. Twenty to twenty-five. It's a ballpark number, and this provides us sufficient diversification, while also allowing allowing us to size individual breads appropriately depending on the risk reward ratio as well mm -hmm. at the end of the day you know like i've realized over the last 15 years that 
the unknown unknowns tend to keep happening much more frequently than expected mm. so to guard against the unknown unknowns uh, happening i think we should be sufficiently diversified at all times right especially post covid this unknown to unknown has really gone up big time and things are changing changing very fast so yeah one has to be very careful so you're saying that i want to develop on your special situation so how do you approach do you keep a track of all the mergers taking place in next 2 3 years time or it you take it as in when it comes so when you are full time into the markets you are aware of all the major special situations that are happening so in our uh, pms we have we are we have hold a small finance bank which is about to <coughs> undergo a merger with it with its uh, parent company yeah and the, right now there is a 15% merger arbitrage on the table Sure. and when you're doing this merger arbitrage you have to take a bet on the and a call on the underlying business itself the underlying business has to be of good quality on top of that <coughs> this uh, arbitrage in terms of the gap adds basically like an icing on the cake yeah. so that's one in case of demergers there are two kinds of demergers which happen one is what i call a market gap demerger the second is what i call a sectoral demerger so i would like to explain with the help of an example sure So, couple of years back, uh, a micro cap stock called Arthi Surfactants got demerged from Arthi Industries, and Arthi Industries was a <coughs> bigger, big size mid cap company with a very high institutional shareholding. Right. So, when those institutional shareholders got shares of this demerged shares of these micro cap Arthi Surfactants, mm-hmm. they started dumping those shares on the open market, irrespective of the price, and the stock of Arthi Surfactants fell 50% after listing. So you were able to buy that stock at a very cheap price, cheap valuation because of this forced selling from institutions. This is about market gap demerger. Now, what is a sectoral demerger? So, <coughs> Jubilant Engravia and Jubilant uh, Pharma Noma got demerged from Jubilant Life Sciences, and when Jubilant Engravia got listed, many of the pharma sector funds which were holding Jubilant Life Sciences, when they got shares of this chemical stock, even though Jubilant Engravia was of a decent market cap. but because it belonged to the chemical sector those pharma funds when they got shares of this chemical stock they were forced to sell it on the open market irrespective of valuations and prices and you were again able to get buy that at a cheap price so the really big money in demergers is made when you are able to get hold of the shares demerge shares in a forced selling situation so these are the kind of uh, demerger areas that we like to focus on right right so i think uh, so one disclaimer that i would like to give here is that all the stocks the name that we are referring to is only for education purpose and it's not a recommendation at all and you may talk to your uh, financial advisor before you invest in these stocks uh, now coming back to point so you talked about see this demerger that you talked about gotham this is well known news in the markets like there are other fund managers who are also aware about this fact but why do you think very few portfolio managers are able to get the requ- much uh, deserved uh, or required uh, advantage and returns out of that because this is a common thing everybody knows anybody can use a mine and uh, take the advantage of the situation so unfortunately because why this the you know the hashpan industry in america and you know many pms you know the many parts of the pms industry in india as well you know since a lot of the pms houses you know become mar- more of marketing firms than investment firms mm-hmm. so they just like to play it safe they like to sell a you know, very coherent or you know a strategy which is very easy to sell and market and they are not really aiming for alpha but in fee structures like ours which is based on performance fees right and which is based on performance i think you know we need to think differently from the rest and in hunt of the alpha we need to look for places like special situations or small cap or mid cap stocks which are not le- really covered that much by analysts 
and we have to go off the beaten path and i think uh, alignment of interest with the clients is very very important and the fund structure i think is a very integral part of that all right since you talked about fee structure and you know you also talked about the fee structure of bakshar hathwe long back i want to read your mind so when you say uh, your fee structure is slightly different can you can you talk to our investors and tell them more about this so we follow a zero management fee structure modeled after the original buffett partnership fee structure with a 20% profit sharing over a 8% cumulative hurdle rate now this is very important this 8% hurdle rate is cumulative in nature which right. means that in the first year if the clients do not earn any return suppose the clients make zero in the first year then at the end of year 2 unless we make 8 plus 8 16% till that time we don't get paid anything and we want to get paid primarily on performance but we do understand that there are clients in the market who also like fixed fee structures because they don't want to do profit sharing so for them we also offer a 2.5% fixed fee uh, model as well sure so investor has an option like he wants to choose fixed fee option he can go ahead with that or he can come on variable and share the profits so there is yeah. no conflict of interest and there is alignment of interest rather correct and the, the reason for offering the fixed fee structure because why is that during a bull market you know we have seen a couple of cases in the past when a small cap or mid cap pms they have gone up 100% in a bull oh, market yes. year in those specific years the profit share becomes very sizable yeah so some clients don't want to, do not want to share that sizable share of profit during bull market year so right. for th- those clients they prefer the fixed fee option and then there is a third category of clients who prefer a hybrid, hybrid. so we offer also offer a hybrid fee structure 1.25% fixed fee and a 15% profit sharing over 10% cumulative hurdle rate sure. so we have Uh, 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 three different fee structures three different. to cater to the clientele right. depending on their preference. Right. So, last two or three questions quickly. One. So, uh, what's your views on the markets at this point of time as we speak? Our uh, Sensex is about sixty-two thousand levels, uh, and uh, uh, now we saw for the first time the FIS again started buying. So, what's your views and the elections are coming next? So, guys, by again, uh, every good investor is an ardent student of financial market history, and history has taught us that the the year preceding any national election year is generally characterized by very high volatility, because there's a bit of uncertainty about the political dispensation which will come to power in the national election. So, I think we should be mentally prepared for some sharp volatility over the next uh, one year. On top of that, the U.S. interest rate hiking cycle is about to come to an end, and the debt in the us has gone up to 31.6 trillion dollars whereas in the last 12 months interest rates have gone up from 0 to 5% so such a sharp and immediate rate hiking cycle will ha- will have ramifications for sure the federal fu- the fed fund futures are expecting a interest rate cut in the next 3 to 4 months and history has taught us that the federal reserve after mm. interest rate hiking cycle starts cutting interest interest rates only when the financial markets break Mm-hmm. So, as per the Fed fund futures market, we should expect a big market sell-off or something to break in the financial markets in the U.S. in the next three to four months. That will give an opportunity to bottom-up stock pickers like us yeah. to actually accumulate stocks at cheaper prices. Right. And what's your views on the election of India election? I mean, the Lok Sabha is going to happen on 2024. So, I think the mm-hmm. markets will be very happy as long as a stable government comes mm-hmm. to, comes in power. I think. What I've realized over the by studying the history of the markets is markets don't like uh, coalition government. Mm. They just want a stable, full majority government at the center. Right. As long as that happens, markets will be very, very happy. Mm-hmm. So uh, now, as far as your PMS is concerned, so uh, what kind of volatility as an investor I might have when I gave you the mandate number one, and number two, obviously my 
question as an investor on behalf of my investor what kind of indicative returns i can expect uh, uh, keeping in mind that i'm investing at least for 5 years period because if i know for the fact that if it is mid and small cap the period should not be less than 5 years that's according to me so let's give 5 years as as a uh, time frame so over the i answer the second part first so over the long run of 5 years and more stock prices tend to follow earnings growth and in our pms we look for companies which are growing earnings at 20 25% just to be on the conservative side let me keep let, let me just uh, say that we will be very very happy if we can uh, get returns of 20 approximately 20% over the long run from our pms in line with our expected earnings growth as regards the volatility that's very important so because we invest a lot in small cap and mid cap stocks the volatility obviously is is uh, much more higher here but when you back test data and when you look at history you'll notice that the high quality small cap and mid cap stocks have have lower drawdowns as compared to the com- as compared to the lower quality small cap mid cap stocks now what do i mean by lower quality public sector companies commodities deep cyclicals these are the categories which have very sharp and very high drawdowns during small cap stocks uh, small cap mid cap sell offs La- last year the small cap index fell 30% from february to june and the low quality small cap mid cap stocks fell 40% but if you notice what happened that time the high quality small cap mid cap stocks barely collected corrected 15 20% and at the end of the day as a pms house as a fund manager or as an equity advisor you have to understand that what actually happens in real life is clients want lower drawdowns and they want healthy returns over time this is the good, this is the mantra for having a successful sustainable long term pms business you want to have you want to minimize drawdowns to the extent you can by focusing on quality and have a diversified portfolio at the same time you want to focus on earnings growth so that you can deliver healthy returns so at the level pms we are trying to achieve this holy tr- trinity of lower drawdowns and uh, lower volatility and healthy long term returns through our focus on quality and uh, a long term focus on earnings growth right while i appreciate your thought process but you know sometimes what happens gautam is that despite you having right intention right framework markets are markets markets are markets are smarter than uh, anyone else and they are the biggest uh, you know uh, i mean i would say that they are they the teacher and we are all student here my point is i saw that most of the mid and small cap pmss go through very difficult phase uh, like we saw what happened in 2017 and after that we saw 2018 small cap going down by good 20% then 2019 we saw uh, categorization of large mid and small cap by sebi and we saw you know 80 rupees becoming 60 rupees by the time it became 70 rupees in 2020 we saw covid coming in and the 70 rupees became 37.5 i am talking about small cap index because i track it very very closely so while we think this can happen but in reality at times it doesn't go as per our expectation So how do you tackle that situation? Well said because why in fact from January 2018 to March 2020 the small cap index as a whole fell 55% whereas the mid cap index fell 45% and the best of the best fund managers specializing in small cap mid cap space even they had big drawdown so this is a space which is very sensitive to the small cap mid cap index movements so we do have to accept the fact that these drawdowns will be part of the journey but This is where client education comes in. You have to educate the client during such times, handhold the client during such times, explain to them about the quality of the portfolio, the earnings prospects of the portfolio. Because 
you know you will have these drawdowns being you know when in this space you have this volatility is the price for superior long-term returns so you do have to uh, accept that fact at the same time by focusing on quality and by focusing on prudent diversification we try our best to minimize the you know drawdowns for our clients because fc being and uh, having being been a fund manager in my past role in summit global in us yeah um, i got a lot of business insights as well you know how about how to run a very sustainable long term business because in this business if you you know have a very sharp outflow of aum and a very short span of time the operating expenses are so high that you have to then shut shop right so to build a long term sustainable enterprise you do have to focus on client education and managing volatility and drawdowns to the extent possible while trying to achieve healthy returns at the same time and all these three things all these three uh, goals require a lot of hard work and effort right all right with that we'd like to conclude the session here it was a uh, you know great interacting with you gautam ji and thank you so much i have no doubt or indeed i am more confident that indian investors will take the maximum advantage by investing in stellar pms so wish you all the very best thank, thank you. you thank you thank you so much thank you